Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Indeed, it's the podcast that is sweeping the nation. It's episode 75, One Man's Opinion. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, commenting, and just making us a part of your day, however you've chosen to do so. We do so appreciate it. Yeah, 75 episodes, 75. I remember like Comiskey Park's 75th anniversary back in the day growing up. It seemed like such an ancient time. Now I do 75 episodes of my sleep. Uh, Welcome to it. Thank you all for uh, uh, being with us today. You have chosen wisely if you've chosen this episode out of the blue because we've got a very special 60 maybe plus minutes of fantasy football goodness. We're doing a fantasy football roundtable All different topics will be expunged and discussed and sorted out, including Cam Akers and drafting quarterbacks and draft slot and early rounds and late rounds. And I've brought along some of the greatest minds in the business to help me along the way. If you have just stumbled upon this podcast, my name is Jeff Mance. You catch me on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday, hosting the Elite Sports Show, also part owner of the Elite Sports Network, FantasyGuru.com, the 2021 Fantasy Football Draft Guide is live, baby. The most extensive coverage you'll ever find, offensive line breakdowns, projections, rankings, coaching breakdowns, dynasty guide, best ball guide, uh, anything that you could imagine or dream up from a fantasy football standpoint, we got it covered over there at FantasyGuru.com, EliteFantasy.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs, Elite Sports Betting, for all legalized sports betting, NFL futures, great market, uh, great time to get in now, folks, before the crowds, before those numbers change with training camp. You can follow me, Jeff Mans, on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans. The Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. All right, enough about me. We this is You're going to learn so much on today's episode, folks, because I do have the brain trust from FantasyGuru.com along with me. In no particular order, we'll go around the room. Uh, he is the pride of Tucson, Arizona, one and all. He is he's the handsome. Probably I'm not gonna. I'm just nothing against Tyler or Armando, but Russell Clay might be the handsomest guy I've seen in a, quite a long time. Russell Clay, how are you this afternoon, man? Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my dating <laughs> profile, Jeff <laughs> Jeff Mans, most handsome guy on staff. <laughs> Just don't don't show them my face. Pretend like I'm a really like a good looking gay man, and then like it's, so my endorsement means right. something as opposed to if they saw my face like this guy. Yeah, I'm not taking that advice. They tear you up. Swipe, uh. swipe and left. Uh, follow Russell Clay on Twitter at Russell J Clay on uh, the Twitter machine over there. Tyler Beaker, everybody, spell that name B U E C H E R at Tyler Beaker on Twitter. He, he look. He's also equally as handsome. These guys, we talk almost every day, but yet we don't see each other face to face. We were kind of in the same room for this recording, so it's a good time. Tyler Beaker, how are you today? Stoked to be here. Just hopped out of another best ball draft. We got tons of best ball content over on Fantasy Guru. I've been uh, following that advice to a T, working on those on my own drafts as well. So I'm um, putting my money where my mouth is, hitting those drafts hard, and I uh, hope you guys do as well. Um, I'm excited for this. Russ and Armando and I, we talk every Tuesday night over on Fantasy Guru with our roster coach, 7 p.m. Eastern. Check those oh, out. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really excited to talk here and uh, dive into the mind of man's a little bit here. 
<laughs> you don't want to know that. that. That's a scary thought, that's for sure. By the way, those uh, live streams by everybody, the roster coaches and the draft coaches, um, they are available. You guys go back in time. Those never go away. So uh, that for good, good or bad for all of us, some of our takes I wish would go away, at least mine. But uh, And then the best ball guy, tremendous job, Tyler Beaker. And last but certainly not least, the man, the myth, the legend, Armando Marsal. Follow him at Armando underscore Marsal on Twitter. How are you, Armando? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm just excited to be talking football with you guys. Uh, it's I, I can already I already know it's going to be a fun night. A lot of uh, good topics we're going to cover. So just uh, stoked to be here and talking football with you guys, man. And for those who not li- don't listen to this podcast in order, and, and that's fine. We're recording this in the middle, sort of late July as well. So um, we'll start out right there, and we're going to go around the room and talk a lot of different topics with you all today. And the breaking news as we sit down to record this one is, of course, Rams running back Cam Akers, torn Achilles tendon. That is, uh, he happened in a non-football drill, evidently just in a workout. He has lost for the season. First round pick now gone before training camp even opened. Um, Armando, we'll, we'll go to you first with this. What was your initial reaction to the Cam Akers news? And like, where should fantasy owners go from here? Yeah, this is huge. We we you know we spoke about it on this week's live stream, and uh, I, I had Cam Akers, and as many had him at the end of that first round, you know, beginning of that second round. I, I really liked him as an RB one this year. Uh, someone that profiled really well coming out of college. Someone we liked. You know, we we know how good of, of a talent he was. He ran behind a very poor offensive line in FSU and just crushed. And you know, th- this this is unfortunate because I really was expecting big things out of him. Uh, unfortunately, this is a situation where you are obviously not going to be drafting acres, but now you have to start asking yourself when, when and, and what round am I willing to take uh, Darrell Henderson here? I, I think Darrell Henderson moves into a pretty significant role, at least at this moment, unless they add something, someone, which I think they would. Uh, but Henderson, now, I, I think you're going to see an ADP, you know, about round, round three, uh, and I think that's a tad expensive for me. I think I feel a little bit more uh, comfortable, like round four or five for, for someone like Henderson. But uh, you're probably going to have to pay a third round capital if you want him here. I expect what maybe 65 percent of the of the workload for him, at least at this moment. Uh, I think that's the floor. Um, so he, he's going to have a big role here. What do you do? And I'll go, I'll throw to Tyler on this one. Tyler's in Tyler's drafting every 15 minutes, basically. <laughs> and I'm sure he's done 20 drafts since this news has happened. But Tyler, like, tell it, take us through this because how eager are you to draft after a big injury like this that kind of shakes up the board? Do you view it as, oh, an opportunity? I can go and get Daryl Henderson or, 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 or Xavier Jones or somebody, you know, there, there's, uh, there's a win to be had here or do you like to okay calm down a little bit let all the the dust settle see what the rams do and wait it out how do you like to approach the uh, your drafting after a major injury like this yeah, timing is everything and that's not just uh, applicable to fantasy football it, it's in life um with this particular instance here the issue is that it's really a thin depth chart beyond daryl henderson Armando alluded that they could add another name to this backfield, but until they do, uh, I, I saw yesterday, the day after the news broke of Cam Akers, that in FFPC drafts, Akers, uh, Darrell Henderson was going off the board in the mid-fifth round, fifth round ADP. I expect by the time, a month from now, late August, mm-hmm. that to creep up towards round three. 
that wouldn't shock at all. And so I'm trying to take some shots right now, assuming that I'm going to get some value there in terms of round five Henderson versus what I'd pay a month from now in terms of round three. And you're no longer getting that round 11 discount where he was going with the other types of backups and high upside guys like so that. So you're a buyer on Henderson right now, Tyler. I am, yes. I think that yeah. that was a buying opportunity. And if you want to be a sheepish and wait a little bit, I totally understand that as well. Because there, there's so many running backs still out there on the market. There's so many guys that could be cut that could also end up on the Rams. And this is yeah. a playoff caliber squad. Many veteran t- running backs. We talked about this not too long ago. Uh, guys like um, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, uh, even Adrian Peterson, like older veteran backs looking to make that championship run. They're going to be lining up to play for the Rams. So I would not be shocked at all to see one of those guys or some cut candidates uh, find their way onto the Rams roster. You know, I'm sure Russell Clay has thoughts or had thoughts on Daryl Henderson as a third round pick a few years ago entering the league. And then we kind of were waiting for it. Thought, okay, maybe there's something here. And when they cut Gurley, okay, didn't happen last year. But Russ, are you a buyer on Henderson as we sit right now with a round four, round five ADP? I'll I'll be looking at him. He's in a tier where there's a lot of wishy-washy options at running back where we kind of like them. We can see the upside, but there's enough of the downside. So I, I'll be willing to mix them in sort of with Tyler. It's like, you know, if you're playing 100 best balls or 200 in an offseason, then I'll definitely be mixing him in. But, you know, if I'm playing one, two or three leagues this year, um, you know, by the time August and September roll around, he'll probably be too expensive for me. But, yeah, you mentioned it. I liked his profile out of Memphis. They seemed like when they drafted him, he was going to be locked in as uh, at least a starter. But I do think we have to be aware they already replaced him. They already drafted Akers in the second round the next year. So that's a signal to me like, okay, He's going to get starter snaps, but what does that actually look like compared to, all right, locked in starter? So, you know, they have Xavier Jones there who, you know, undrafted free agent. Maybe they bring in a couple veterans. It could be that Malcolm Brown thing a few years ago where some guy is just being incredibly annoying, uh, stealing all those touchdowns. Oh, we hate the committees. That's the that's the one fear I have, too, with Akers going down. It's like, oh, please. Hey, let it be Daryl Henderson. If you're going to go get somebody, go get somebody. But please don't make a committee. I just can't handle any more committees. Uh, Armando, is Daryl Henderson the guy in week one? Is he the is he the guy to own for the Rams the for the whole season? Or do you think they're going to add somebody? And if they do add somebody, who would you speculate they may add? Uh, I think Henderson at, at this point in time is the guy uh, going into week one. Um, if they add someone, I really do think it depends, you know, what, what, what if Melvin Gordon, you know, that he gets cut, you know, it, what, what, uh, Sony Michelle, we've talked about that. Like if he gets cut, it, it really depends if they pick up, you know, one of these older guys that Tyler alluded to, like Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson, I, I still think, you know, Henderson will receive the majority of the workload. Uh, these guys might cut into, you know, the red zone. But, look, Daryl Henderson last season, 31 red zone rush attempts, tying Cam Akers for most on the Rams team last year. So he was utilized heavy in that red zone, uh, just like Akers was. So I, I think they feel comfortable with him in this part of the field. Um, so I, I, I think going into week one, as it is right now, you really have to treat him as someone that's going to get, you know, a pretty or RB, you know, the, the lead back workload. Uh, but things can definitely change between now and the start of the season. It's a great point that they're not just missing acres here. They're missing Malcolm Brown. 
And that's another piece of this pie as well for the Rams that if it all goes down to Henderson, that's a pretty damn lucrative spot. That's for sure. Tyler, Hmm. are you anticipating the Rams making a move either in free agency or uh, via trade or, you know, or do you think they bring in an undrafted guy? Is Xavier Jones going to challenge this job? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, I do believe Henderson sees the most touches here, barring any kind of addition. Like, the guys behind him, Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, these these are not guys that you really need to worry about unless you're playing in super deep formats. They're more like speculative dynasty stashes to me than anybody that we can really count on for 2021 fantasy contributions right out the gate. Uh, what I think we most likely see is probably an uptick in terms of pass volume. I think Stafford's a big winner here, and the entire pass-catching crew there, you can probably pencil these guys in for a little bit more volume. A lot of times when these lead running backs go down, we don't just see a one-for-one replacement service like Henderson. We anticipate him doing that, but we don't expect him. There's a reason why we're not drafting him as a plug-and-play round one, round two selection. We're, we're doing this little leeway here, right. round three through five, because we're not expecting that. It's not a one-for-one replacement. So I would admit, I would imagine Stafford in this passing attack gets, gets a little bit of a bump here. Throw it to Russell Clay, but first, I, I want to go on record. I don't this is why i'm speculative on, on henderson if he gets the job where you're drafting him in the fifth round i'm i'm totally in but i fully 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 expect the rams to make a move and i don't think sean McVay is going to go after a veteran guy we know Gurley's not going back because i mean they i don't know if Gurley ever got paid i don't know how that lawsuit <laughs> went when he departed from la there was like a lot that's a big problem and it just doesn't feel like peterson or bell fit what McVay does I think they go out and make a trade. Mm. And I, the, I'll i tell you guys, here's a little one of my thinking, Russ, and we'll throw you after this. The Rams got an additional third-round pick in 2022 for um, uh, their scouting director. I can't remember his name, but he got hired away from Detroit. So they've got two-thirds sitting there. We know the Rams. The Rams are like uh, – um, you know, a Ted Schuster at a strip club, or I should say a bakery, where he's just ordering up everything. They're giving away draft picks all day. I look at two third-round picks for L.A. and like, yeah, one of those is going to go to a team for a running back here. That's the way I kind of set it up. What do you expect, Russ? I I don't know that I expect this, but I'm getting a feeling in my brain. I can just see the Twitter day, Duke Johnson signs. Everybody freaks out oh, for the 20th yeah. time. And then Duke Johnson's getting three snaps a game by week seven. And I just, I just, that's what I envision happening. Something like that. Um, But, you know, sort of getting into what, you know, what we're looking at here. I do think they're going to add somebody. Uh, I think a trade is interesting. There's a lot of these running backs that you can probably get for cheap. Uh, you know, off the scrap heap. I think Sean McVay, like you said, he does not care about draft picks. So a third round pick, you right. can probably get a decent uh, second or third running back. Who would who would fit best? Who's the dream? Armando, who would be the dream that got uh, either by sign or by trade that went to L.A.? Let's just let's just speculate for a moment. Melvin Gordon, that way we can free Javante nice. Williams. That way we can just yeah. free oh. that's, that's the biggest reason. Uh, that is the biggest reason. <laughs> uh, I'm having a hot flash over here. Tyler Beaker, who would make who who would be your dream to fit the backfield of uh, in LA? With that similar train of thought, uh, JD McKissick. That way we can free Antonio oh, Gibson, yes. let him ascend <laughs> to RB one status with an exclamation point. Oh my point. god, JD McKissick. Yeah, really. That's a that's a good one. I like that because yeah, I mean Gibson. I can't believe he's not the pass catcher running back. Russ, who who would be your dream scenario for the LA Rams to get? 
dream scenario would be Chris Carson so Rashad Penny can get 350 touches. <laughs> <laughs> He's not giving it up. He will not refuse to lose. That's the way you do it, baby. Just not giving up on uh, on <laughs> Rashad Penny yet. Um, that's a good one. I, I mean, I said I tweeted it out. Kareem Hunt. It'll never happen. I know, but uh, I do think that there's something with Sony Michelle or Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones mm. has ties to the Southern California area. Last year of a deal makes a lot of sense. Both these organizations have abundancy at running back. Why not get something, especially if they wind up offering a third, like a third for Rojo. Or uh, Sony, this makes tons of sense. It's a massive overpay. Maybe it's conditional third pick, depending on making the team and whatnot. But that the, one of those two would make the most sense to me. But uh, um, one more thing with the Acres, because as one of the top ten running backs for sure, and a first round running back, as that goes off the board, I'm curious on what you guys think. Who moves up now? Like wh- which player? ascends into first round territory for you maybe it's a running back maybe it's not even a running back maybe you're like all right well we'll break the seal on a wide receiver a little earlier but uh we'll, we'll go to tyler for this one first tyler who moves up on, on your board with the loss of acres in that first round early second yeah, i'm looking at stefan Diggs or Devonte adams instead of trying to force a running back to jump up there i'm gonna just let the wide receivers naturally elevate i think these two guys are two candidates that can finish as the wide receiver one for the upcoming year and Tyreek Hill, kind of the unanimous wide receiver one in terms of average draft position. I think Diggs and Devontae Adams, assuming Aaron Rodgers returns to Green Bay, are both candidates to uh, take that title and uh, make that EDP look a little silly. Who do you, Armando, who do you uh, move up? Who do you think elevates a little bit? I'm looking at the same position receiver, uh, just like Tyler just mentioned, just because when you look at the running back here right after Akers, for me, it was a bit of a drop-off. Um, you know, you're looking at Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, those kind of, you know, running backs. I, I, at that point, I'd rather take uh, one of those receivers, whether it be Adams, Diggs, Hopkins. I like a ton this year as well. Uh, whether it be one, uh, Metcalf is another guy we, we like quite a bit, you know. So move one of these guys that couldn't finish as the wide receiver one, like Tyler mentioned, I think into that first round makes a lot of sense. Russ, who, do you, who are you bumping up? Who, who becomes first round worthy with Akers gone out of the picture? So I agree with Adams, but I also felt like even before the injury, Antonio Gibson was right in that same range for me. Uh, Just what I saw last year, the quarterback play getting better. I mean, it it has to be better than last year. And just, you know, the overall athletic profile, um, third round pick, just – Everything about Gibson screams like second year breakout to me, regardless of situation. So I think it's going to be a better situation this year. Um, and I, I'd take him in the first if I had to. You don't have to, but I would. I, I like that. And I like the mentality. Just all, all you guys are all, in my opinion, right on the track is you don't force a guy in there. Now, I'm pretty sure because I'm not my first rodeo, that when we lose a running back or whatever, people will now elevate another running back that they weren't high on before, and now they have to be high on, and they'll make stupid cases for them. I don't like that approach, guys. And for those of you out there with keeper dilemmas or, or and whatnot, or if you're just going over draft strategy, I think what Russ, Tyler, and Armando said is exactly on the nail uh, or on the head where – 
elevate the next best guy. Don't you don't have to reach for a position in those early rounds. There's many ways to slice this and dice this. Get the best asset possible, even if that's a receiver or maybe it's a tight end that jumps up on your board or, or whoever. So I totally dig that. You guys are mentioning Antonio Gibson, and I think I'm lower on him than some of you. Um, I'll go back to Tyler on this one. I know you're high on him. Like for me, the McKissick thing makes the most sense. If good Lord, there's so many targets available to him and he was a receiver in college. I feel like that's a natural progression for him in year two. Is that what you're bullish on with Gibson or is there something else in his game that you're high on? Yeah, it's the all around profile. He was fantastic in Memphis, but we didn't really get to see a lot of touches in terms of the rushing. We knew he was a good receiver. He proved in his rookie season last year, he checked that box for the rushing question marks. And we know that receiving talents there. I just want to see it all come together. And when it does, he's going to be a back with top five potential the offense here with Fitzpatrick, the defense um, led by all those investments in that uh, defensive line with first-round picks. This is a playoff-caliber team in a weak NFC East. I would not be surprised at all to see them reach the playoffs once again this year. And I think Gibson could be a huge reason for why they do that. The Fitzpatrick addition, I think, is so big for the upside here in this offense in terms of his ability to spread opposing defenses vertically and not just dink and dunk through Alex Smith and get a bunch of J.D. McKissick targets when he's lined up in the slot. I think there's just so much more potential here with Gibson as the lead back. But I think there is a a legit concern about McKissick in terms of taking some targets away. And I do think we need to at least acknowledge that. But the upside for Gibson, assuming that McKissick is kind of put towards the wayside a little bit, is astronomical. Armando, you're on the clock here. It's the early second round, and you're in need of a running back. Antonio Gibson versus Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Who do you got? Oh, oh boy. Um, do I know go, you or do I know you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think there's uh, less concern with him when it comes to uh, someone taking away touches. I also like an offense that is going to score a ton of points this year. Um, they, 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 they drafted them in the first round uh, last season. I, I think that speaks volumes of, of, of what they expect from him long term. Um, so it, it's very close. I, I like Gibson a ton as well. I, I'm just a bit concerned because of McKissick. And then they also brought in Curtis Samuel, someone that they can utilize very similar to the way they can utilize Gibson with Stop those short passes points. out of the backfield and stuff like that. Yeah, how dare you make sense. Uh, so, no, so. The Samuel thing is frustrating. I hate that. I uh, when we were, we were looking yeah. at the Rams, and the Rams have fifty-eight rushing touchdowns over the last three years. I mean, you're talking about averaging about twenty touchdowns per year. That, I mean, the meat on that bone is juicy and delicious. But then you see like Robert Woods with two. It's like, come on, man. Now, if you get Woods, you like it. But come on, if you have a Rams running back, it's the same with Washington. It, you're going to get Antonio Gibson. If Curtis Samuel's going to mess up my mojo, that's going to piss me off, which it may. Uh, Russell Clay, all right, you, you've you already made your stance on Antonio Gibson. What about uh, Gibson versus, I'm going to go up a, a notch, him versus Saquon Barkley. Oh. Tony Gibson, it's an oh. early second. Oh. Barkley's oh. starting to slip. We're- yeah, and he is starting to slip, and you know I think there are reasonable reasons to be worried about uh, Barkley coming into this year. However, I'm not necessarily buying him for Week One. If I get those 15 touches a week for the first month, like it's 
maybe going to suck, but I'm looking at like week 12, if Barkley's still healthy and the Giants are in a playoff potential contention, um, I have a feeling they're not going to be holding him back to less than 20 touches a game. So I'm kind of buying him for the league winning upside at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's high variance with these running backs. We know that going into every year. Um, uh, Jeff, I, I was looking at Fred Taylor's career the other day and it's oh, like, I love, the, this. I love the, it. the guy who yes. was injury prone throughout his career, quote unquote, and then he played for like 14 years. Sometimes yes. they just are injury prone, but I'm going to take a chance on, on a guy like Barkley, you know? Well, career arcs have that, and it's a great point with Fragile Fred because, like, Matt Stafford, I remember I used to say that every time Stafford hit the ground, he was like Humpty Dumpty. He just spilled right. yolk everywhere. Like, he kept <laughs> breaking down. And then, he'd be, then, like, time happens, and then he's the Iron Man of the NFL. And then last year he gets hurt again. So it's, it's just, you know, if players are injury prone, some guys are like Percy Harvin. They are always opting yeah. out, and then some just have nasty things happen to them um speaking of so it brings up an interesting dilemma whether it's saquon or antonio gibson or, or trying to reach on anybody in the first round what's your your guys ideal draft slot and you know we're in the first round or maybe you know throughout if you are in a league where you get to choose you could ha- you, know, you get the first option you could pick first if you want you could be on the wheel at the end 12 and one where would you like to be in that first round russell clinton I, I like the earlier picks. I mean, if I can get Saquon at, you know, 109 or, or something like that, I'm also in on that. But generally speaking, I'm okay. Like, I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But it's, you know, you're getting the guy with the most upside with those top couple picks, uh, generally speaking. So I'm I'm taking the, the top picks. I like having the 2-3 turn sort of uh, to, to get two of my guys there as well. So, you know, unless it's a third round reversal, I'm, I'm, I'm digging that next two, three. Turn as I well. don't like that. I know Scott fish did it. And I love the Scott fish bowl. And I, I mean, if he told me, Jeff, you have to draft standing on your head, then so be <laughs> it. I'll stand on my head because the event is, but I don't like third round. Reversal. I don't either. We did it. We did it back in the day. And I just don't like, I just, don't like it. I don't think it's necessary with all the advanced strategy these days. But Armando, if you have, if you get to choose your draft spot, what where, where would it be? I like the either end, like either the beginning or, or the tail end. I, I I haven't done as many best balls as Tyler has, but I I've you know been investing in some best ball and I've gotten a lot of like ten through twelve picks. Uh, and, and I really like the roster construction I can create there. You're, you're getting guys like Nick Chubb and Eckler. You can get both of them on one team and that tail end. And I think you're getting two running backs that can finish within the top five. So I, I'm leading, you know, this season in particular, the back end. But either either the beginning or the end of drafts are, are totally fine with me. I like being on those wheels too myself. I mean, 12 12- – you know, going back to back, uh, I kind of like that as well. Tyler Beaker, and speaking of Tyler Beaker, he does he published the the best ball draft guide for us. It's a subset of our draft guide. It's all included. It's all one thing. Rusted the dynasty guide as well. So much great content. If you like what you're hearing here, folks, fantasyguru.com is the place to be. All of the voices you hear, including myself, we're in chat. It's open twenty four seven. If we don't, if it's overnight, you drop us a line. We'll get to it when we wake up. It's just a really good thing, and uh, one of the best things though with Tyler Beaker and the best balls, those uh, weekly winners, just 
identifying players that win the weeks for you, it's a huge asset and why he's drafting a thousand best ball contests already. Tyler, when you're uh, you're drafting, what slot do you like the most in 2021 at least? It's 101 with a bullet. No questions asked. Christian McCaffrey, guys. One of the few backs with 1,000, 1,000 potential, 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving. His 2019 win rate of 37%, highest over the last six years. This dude just gives you such an, a huge advantage over the field. Um, and then you think about the 2-3 turn. You can get Darren Waller or George Kittle, give yourself a huge advantage at the tight end position over the field, and then get back with a CD Lamb or someone like that in early round three as well. I love starting with the 101 pick. Uh, no questions asked. That's my hands-down top spot. Love it. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, that's that's totally fine with me. If you're uh, I don't, pretty much for me, I like McCaffrey, like Cook at 102, and then I'm all in uh, Austin Eckler. Everybody knows how, how uh, I am on that dude this year as well. Speaking of which, uh, let's throw that topic out here as well, and we'll we'll throw it back to you, Armando Marsal. Who are give me one player that you're all in on this season? It doesn't have to be a first round pick. It can be. 20th it could be a kicker if you really what's a player that you will draft if given the opportunity 100 percent of your leagues nick which, chubb, which player nick nick chubb. chubb. yeah I, i'm drafting him and i i actually was talking to the guys earlier this week about uh creating i want to create a spreadsheet uh to see my exposure on DraftKings because i was already nervous that out of i think i have 80 percent chubb so far i, I want to reduce exposure in best ball but it's just tough for me to pass on, on him anywhere I am in the draft, whether it be in the beginning. I've, I've had the third overall pick, and I take him third overall. And I've had, you know, the 11th, 12th pick, and he's there, and I'm taking him. So it's just very difficult for me to skip on him anywhere outside of the top two picks. Man, and this is why this is the dream team of fantasy football analysts, folks. I cannot stress to folks enough the psychology of this game that we play and staying strong in your convictions, doing your work. Number one, being informed doing your work, but then having the the strength in your convictions and not s- submit to peer pressure to carry out. Like Armando said, if, if I'm third, I'm drafting him. If I'm 12th, I'm drafting him. Like I, that's what I'm doing. I love that very much. Uh, Russell Clay, who are you all in on? Give me a player this season you're all in on. So um, in terms of fantasy, I'm going to kind of shift this a little bit, but I would say Trevor Lawrence and his weapons I am oh, all in on. So it's it's one of those things where if I think Trevor Lawrence is Peyton Manning 2.0, then mm-hmm. I just want to draft all of his weapons and be all in on that. So I've been drafting DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel, Travis Etienne. I, like if if Trevor Lawrence is as good as I think he's going to be starting in year one um, – then these guys are going to flourish and I'm just taking shots on all of them pretty much in every draft. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. Hey, if, uh, right. if this is Dwayne Haskins again, and he's, you know, flopping oh, no. on the sideline. Don't you say that. <laughs> but so I'm, I'm cutting Russell. If he, he brought a hazard strike one. If you bring up EJ Manuel, that is it. Uh, we're going to have to cut but, the court. Chop. But it's like I've never seen a quarterback prospect like this. I'm sure it was like this with Peyton Manning um, when he came oh, in. Like no. the- oh, I won't tell you who, but yeah, I fought the Peyton Manning Hill, the Ryan Leaf, oh, his arm, and then Peyton Manning couldn't win the big game. That I was wow. arguing. Oh, okay. I was angry about it. He couldn't win the big game. He can't win the big game. He can't win the big game. Can't win the big game. Constantly, I'm like, I don't give – 
an absolute F what anybody does in college playing against 19-year-olds. I just don't care. Right. I care what they are and who they are, and they demonstrate that by winning or losing. It's not that results don't matter. They do, but it's not the whole world to me. Vince Young was a college killer, wasn't he? Yep. You know, and it, it, it works both ways. So, you, you know, but Manning, that was a fight, man. I'll never forget that wow, draft. That was okay. one of the first times I was like – yeah, I wasn't in the industry yet, but it was people talking and my boys, and I'll say it, Ted Schuster was the guy I fought with. I'll just say it. I'm just, sorry. Ted, you have to listen to this to carry it out. I fought with him and can't win the big game because Ted was Mr. College guy before we hired Russell Clay. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know, I was there for the luck cycle. I feel like Lawrence was a better prospect than luck. And it's like, I have nobody else to compare this to. So I just have to be all in if this is my process. And if it is, oh, then Chark, Chenault, and uh, ETN are going to flourish. In that order, give us the, give us your one. If you had to choose one, we- is it Lawrence or would it be one of the weapons? If you had to only give one. I'll say the mm, most sorry. upside is ETN. I think he could be okay. like an Alvin Kamara in year one. Yeah. So there you go. I love Love this. Uh, Tyler Beaker, number one. Uh, I know you you have some opinions on Jaguars weapons yourself. Uh, talk to that and then give us the player you're all in on this year. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement in Jacksonville. Uh, Russ hit on many of the big points there. Uh, my big question marks are, how does Urban Meyer screw it up? That, that's what I'm terrified of because there's so many great weapons here. And I just I have this scary inkling in the back of my mind that something bad is going to happen. Well, uh, tell me why Daryl Bevel's the offense coordinator. Can somebody yeah. <laughs> please tell? I have never seen anything like this in my life. The disparity between what Urban Meyer has done his entire life and built a, an empire on and what Daryl Bevel has flopped into. Like, I've never seen it. I'm like, I, I think I wrote it in the coaching breakdowns. Either I wrote it or I thought it. I'm like, this guy's one and done. There's no way Daryl Bevel is the 2022 offense coordinator of Jacksonville Jaguar. This is like... A nice basis. They're going to kind of curb a little bit, and he's going to bring in his own guy next. I can't. I don't see the match there, so I'm with you. Um, I, I like right. that one and done call. I totally agree with that. And uh, yeah. all the pieces there in Jacksonville, the running backs, wide receivers. I'm in uh, outside of James Robinson. Give me ETN, guy who I thought right after the draft was getting like round four or so ADP. He slipped to round six because of Urban Meyer's post draft quotes. That's silly. Right. He's he's like yeah. a zero RB dream right there. Uh, of a you can go wide receiver and t- tight end really early in your drafts. Get ETN, a guy with Camara like upside, as Russ alluded to, uh, basically for free. Like I don't understand that average draft position at all. Uh, but a league winner, the guy that I cannot walk away from drafts with is Darren Waller, a guy I already talked about, a guy mm-hmm. I won't leave drafts with. Uh, among all receivers last year, he was fourth in target percentage. He was second in first read percentage. Derek Carr continuously looked his way. Back-to-back 90-catch seasons, uh, the eighth-highest scoring season for a tight end ever in PPR formats. Nothing about them removes this offseason. I'm sorry, John Brown is not moving the needle in terms of targets going away from Darren Waller. Oh, He's going to continue to see a boatload of looks, and the, the positional advantage you get compared to everyone else trying to make up ground with sporadic tight end play from Logan Thomas or whoever they pick in the middle rounds, um, they're, they're falling behind. There's just such a huge advantage there structurally that investing in an elite tight end is a priority for me this year. Yeah, it hasn't. Uh, it, it's been a league winner many, many times over, and it's mostly Kelsey. But uh, like you mentioned, two straight years for Darren Waller in that mix as well. Speaking of the tight ends, George Kittle, 
I, we all acknowledge, I think, that there are three absolute premium tight ends in Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle. Or do we, Armando Marcel? Where, what do you do with Kittle? Do you put him? Is he closer to, let's say, is he closer to Kelsey Waller or is he closer to Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, Armando? I think he's closer to Kelsey Waller. Uh, he he what, played eight games that season, uh, averaging 16 fantasy points per game. Um, you know, in, in PPR formats, you know, Waller was 17.6. So just a fancy, you know, point away from him. It's just a matter of you're taking more risk on with someone like Kittle. That's the only difference, I think, between the three. that You're taking the injury risk and whatnot, where Waller and Kelsey provide such a solidified floor. Uh, personally, I, as much as I like Waller this season, I, I I have trouble paying that second round capital for him. For I, I would much rather take him in that third round, but that second round capital for me, I just have trouble paying it. Um, but he does offer a solidified floor at a position that becomes very volatile once you leave the top three or four. I am in with what Tyler was saying about Waller and his connection with Carr. If I have any hesitation at all, it is the addition of Kenyon Drake. Will he be more or are they going to check down more now that they have a dedicated uh, pass catcher out of the backfield that they paid for which was a big surprise to me that's the only thing I don't think it's going to majorly impact Waller but it could drive him down a little bit uh Russell Clay George Kittle now you you're the college expert here that's for sure Kittle was never healthy at Iowa and that's why he was only a fifth round pick I think we forget that sometimes he's two of his four seasons he hasn't been able to stay healthy and the NFL as well. Do you think Kittle's closer to those the big boys or that second tier of tight end? Yeah, it it reminds me of after the first couple years, Rob Gronkowski was basically like hit or miss from an injury standpoint. He was either yeah. you know eleven hundred yards and twelve touchdowns or playing six games a year. So we're kind of at that point with Kittle where it's like okay. Uh, He's got a lot of injuries, a lot of different ones too, like shoulder, lower body, like it's everywhere. And you mentioned yeah. the Iowa days. That's that's one of the reasons he wasn't, you know, a top end guy. So um, sure. I like him, but it's just, yeah. In some cases, we, we talked about the injury prone. In some cases, when your whole body is mangled, that's when it's like real, you know? <laughs> So is he closer to the top end or is he closer to – is he a tier one or do you put him closer to tier two? I'd say it's a different tier, yeah. Okay, so closer to that second tier. Yep. And the thing is, we can't deny, Kittle plays hard. Mm. The way that he plays, too, with reckless abandon at that position with such a dedicated blocker, coaches love it, organizations love it. He got a huge contract because of it, but it does leave you a little prone to injury. Tyler, what do you think about Kittle? Yeah, my two favorite players to watch in the league right now are Aaron Donald and George Kittle. Just two manimals, guys that just throw people aside and do what they want and dominate. Uh, Kittle, absolute beast. But I do think there's a big difference in terms of the overall target volume that you can expect between Kelsey and Waller versus what um, George Kittle may get in San Francisco in a run-first offense with limited pass volume and limited play volume. They're going to play slow. They're going to run the ball heavily. I worry about the targets there. And he's averaged 8.0 targets per game over the last two years, but – that's then that's good. That's great. That's why I think he belongs in that round three range. I think he's appropriately priced in terms of average draft position, but he's not a guy that I'm super eager to target. I'd rather spend that round two draft capital to get Waller over Kittle, knowing that there's also the injury risk. Like we may enjoy 10 games out of 
uh, George Kittle, and then we're chasing the waiver wire for hoping Adam Troutman becomes something. Um, just know that going into it, the season, that there's the, the, the injury risk with Kittle is a little bit greater than the other guys. Yeah, and the the quarterback situation needs you know kind of look at that too. It's a staple. They have that tight end drag route in Shanahan's offense. Mm-hmm. That's not going to go anywhere. He's going to end up getting some big catches on that one, healthy too. So I'm not as not as worried about the quarterback situation as I normally would be in a different uh, offensive scheme. So in that same spirit, players were all in on. Who are you out on? And who, what's a player that you're just you could hate him and say never me or maybe you're just not going to pay that price but what player is coming up over and over again that you're just kind of eh, not you, you're thinking of fading russell clay mm, all right so number one i would say aaron jones not necessarily because oh. it's aaron jones but more just that range he's in i just don't see any way i end up with him um, I, I, I definitely see the upside of that offense. I just would rather have, you know, Eckler, um, Adams, Kelsey Hill, like that one, two turn. I'm just not going to be looking at him there. And then I'm ready for the Adam Thielen thing to be done. I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> it has not been over. I've been waiting. I think this is the year it's finally over. He survived with those 14 touchdowns last year. Um, but I, I think I, I'm just I'm ready to be I'm ready for the, the, the era to be done. I've been done with Adam Thielen forever, and he <laughs> has been a thorn in my side. Oh. I'll never forget what I took my family. We went to uh, Minneapolis, Bloomington, and we went to the Mall of America. And my son, all he wanted, he's like, my only souvenir, I want a Vikings Stefan Diggs jersey. I want Stefan Diggs jersey. Every fucking store I went to, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen. And, and I'm like, do you, and I'm saying like 11 or 18 stores we went to. And I'm like, what in the God's name is happening? I go, do you guys know that Diggs is good? Is any, are you guys, so they don't know. They don't fucking know that this guy is very, very good. It probably make him happy. They didn't, they let him go to Buffalo, became a world beater. Fucking Adam Thielen. Oh, guy's been a thorn in my side. Productive. <laughs> I'm not alone I've, here. I've been wrong. I've been wrong, and I'll be wrong just in perpetuity forever on it because he drives <laughs> me absolutely. So, so we go to the thing. My son didn't even get it. He was so steadfast. His kid's smart. So steadfast that we ordered it from, like, Fantastics or whatever, and we ordered a jersey and got when we got home. He didn't even get a souvenir on the whole trip just because he was – I'm getting a Diggs jersey. So And then now, of course, he's on a new team, but uh, I digress. Uh, Tyler Beaker, who are you fading? Who's a guy you're just not in on? Uh, it's just an ADP play, and it's Najee Harris. I'm just not on board right there with that late round two selection. I'd much rather target Darren Waller, my go-to selection there, or any of those wide receivers there that have a chance – like the wide receiver five through seven range that have a chance to jump up to wide receiver one guys like DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson. Um, there's a lot of guys that are kind of falling in that range. Even CEH. I'd rather get a running back there over uh, Najee Harris. Just the guy that I just am not gravitating towards this year. I am in agreement with you. It's in a, some, you have to make these decisions. I like this one because he's not like he's, he's edging out of the first round. But I worry as we get into August, he's going to start moving up again into the first round, especially with this Acres injury. Um, a rookie running back and an offense that's deteriorating with a defense that's going to be a lot worse this year and an offensive line that's in disarray. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? It's not that I don't believe in Harris. 
is that I, it's just not worth that price. There's uh, you just named five guys, Tyler, that I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just more secure about in that uh, early second round pick to Najee Harris. Armando, who are you fading this year? Oh, Tyler stole my thunder there. I, I was going <laughs> to say Najee Harris. I've been very vocal okay. about that. I just don't like the ADP either. Uh, and, and you, you really are drafting him, I think, at his ceiling as a rookie. This is a messed up offensive line. But I'll, I'll go with someone else. David Montgomery is another one. Uh, I, I wouldn't be chasing last year's stats. I, I, I like Montgomery. I think he's going to be solid. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, that workload that he had in, in, in the, you know, as a pass catcher, I don't see that, you know, this year they have Williams now. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I know he's, you know, you know, still not 100%, but he'll be back in the picture eventually. Um, and, and then you look at that schedule. It, it happened, I think, with Higby a couple years ago where everyone moved him up the following year in their, in their draft boards because oh, he yeah, had a Higby. strong close to the season, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because mm-hmm. of, of the matchups. If you look at Montgomery's schedule down the stretch, it was just, I mean, absurdly great for a running back. If he couldn't find success against some of these defenses – I, I I really don't know if he had a job this year. So um, he's someone I'm kind of staying away from because I'm not expecting a similar-like season. I do expect uh, some regression there. So not someone I, I have too much interest in. I was very surprised. I'm surprised and somewhat impressed that he's not a high, higher pick, right, Because coming off of that year and winning people titles with that soft schedule, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I anticipated him being so. He's still now sneaking up into the mid-third round. It's fine, but I, I'm not a buyer either. I've heard you guys mention this actually in the in the uh, roster coach live stream where you talk about you know um, talked about the Bears and the acquisition of Tevin Jenkins, which is a good one, no doubt. But they also lost Bobby Massey, Charles Leno Jr., both offensive tackles in Chicago. I worry about that offense, and then with Justin Fields there, I think it'll be better. But that will take away rushing attempts and possibly goal line opportunities as well. So, yeah, Tariq Cohen being there, Damian Williams being there, even Khalil Herbert, which I don't mind as a six-round pick. They all of a sudden have depth at running back that they didn't have a year ago. I think there's a lot working against David Montgomery. All right, now, Russell alluded to it. He didn't really allude to it, but he uh, hopefully he's saving it for us. We got to talk Aaron Rodgers here, boys, because I've heard you guys talk about Devontae Adams several times. Boy, if if Rodgers was secure, I mean, he would be. I think he'd be my number one wide receiver. That's for damn sure, and he'd be a, a surefire mid first round pick for me. I'd have him even higher than I have. I think I have Hopkins seventh or eighth right now. What are we doing with Aaron Rodgers and this Green Bay offense overall right now? And I'll throw it to Tyler first on this one. What, what are you doing? Because you're drafting a lot of teams. Are you drafting as if Rodgers is going to be there? Are you drafting as if he may or not? How are you approaching this right now? You need to go into these drafts with the mentality of, if Rodgers is going to play, how can I capitalize? And that's by stacking these depressed prices on his big, big wide receiver, Devontae Adams, and his big running back, Aaron Jones. So what I'm kind of trying to do in some leagues, especially these best ball tournaments, is stacking Jones and Adams, and then getting Aaron Rodgers as well in the event that this Packers offense comes to fruition in terms of everybody coming together and it just explodes again in 2021. Um, I think you really just need to take a stand, though. Do you think Rodgers returns? If so, then you should be drafting Adams at his ADP, knowing that he can easily outplay wide receiver three. We just saw it last year. Like, what do you have, 18 touchdowns? Like, uh, a 1,000 yards easily? This dude was routinely uh, getting targets in the end zone, routine double-digit guy, um, just a, an easy 
an easy pick there. So I, th- I think you just kind of need to take a stand. If you're a lot more bearish on it and you don't believe Rodgers plays, then it's an easy fade because there's great pivots at that same average draft position. You're not really missing anything in terms of opportunity cost. But the upside in the event Rodgers plays, all these guys are going to leap in ADP. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, even even Bob Tunyon. <laughs> like these guys are all going to jump up in ADP. Bobby Tons. And yes. I'm just taking the value now because I, I imagine he plays. And if he doesn't, then, okay, I lose out on some of those tournament teams. But that's the angle I'm going with, knowing I'm trying to beat tens, if not hundreds of thousands of entries for a million dollars in some of these contests. So it depends on what you're playing. If you're playing a 12-team best ball league where it's just you versus 11 other teams, maybe you don't need to go that route. But if you're playing in that one where you need to not only beat those 11 teams, but you also need to beat the tens and hundreds of thousands, then it makes more sense to be bullish on the Packers. Knowing your league rules, knowing your league setup, folks. It's uh, podcast number seven over at fantasyguru.com, part of our 50 fantasy football strategy podcast in 50 days. That's right, 50-5-0 podcast with these three voices that join me, Tyler Beaker, Armando Marsal, Russell Clay. We got Mike Dempsey and Bob Harris and Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers and even Ted Schuster stumbling around over there uh, bringing you Every strategy you need in fantasy football, it's all available now. Fantasyguru.com. Armando, pass it to you. How are you handling the Aaron Rodgers situation right now? I mean, I think you're getting him at a discounted price. He's going as, on average, as QB 9, 10 um, in round 7 plus, um, you know, very often. So I I like the idea of drafting him. I'm going to go in there with a plan, right? If, If it's a best ball league, I normally prefer taking just two quarterbacks. But I, I might draft a third here just in case he doesn't play. I think that you, you can go with someone later, you know, in the draft, like a big Ben or something like that, you know, with, with your second quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. I, I think that would be the way I go about it. In a redraft league, I like taking this discount, right? Uh, you, you're going to have the option of drafting a second quarterback and using your waivers if, if Aaron Rodgers is a play. So if you're drafting at this time, if, you, if you're doing a season-long league and you're drafting at this time, take advantage of these prices. And then you have, you know, as a, as a fantasy owner, you're going to have the ability to just make changes and adjustments as you need. You can pick someone off waivers. If he decides to, you know, call it quits or if he, if he goes to another team, you're going to be able to start him. It, it really is depends on what he decides to do. But I'm taking advantages, and I think Adams is at a discounted price too. I, I think he's someone that you can arguably talk about, you know, a top seven pick if we knew Aaron Rodgers was playing and arguably the number one wide receiver off the board, right? Ahead of Tyreek Hill. I, I think that you can make that, that you know, that case. Uh, so if you're getting him in that front end of that second round, at times I've seen him go like, you know, kind of the mid-second round, I think you're, you're, you're pretty much swinging for the fence. And I don't think you're taking that much of a risk, even yeah. if Rodgers doesn't play, because he's still going to see the majority of the targets there. Well, look at it this way. Aaron Rodgers may retire and not play football ever again. And he's going off the board of QB9. 12 months ago, he was going off the board of QB13. It's coming off a 13-win season. If you don't think there's an advantage to playing fantasy football, you don't think this is a skill game, boy, I, I don't know what to tell you. But, I mean, that just tells you right there. A guy may not even play, and he's ninth. Last year, he's coming off a pretty solid season. Everyone thought he was done zone. He was QB13. It's insane. Russ, what do you? How are you handling this situation right now? You mentioned that you're kind of out on Jones, but uh, are we getting a good deal on on Devonte Adams? 
yeah, I don't really have much to add in terms of this specific situation, but I think, you know, becoming a better fantasy player, you have to start thinking about things like linking context together. If I think Rogers is back, then I should be higher on Adams, right? Like that's just the logic there. And we see this every year where sometimes the ADP or where players are going don't match the logic of what we're doing. If, you know, uh, you know, Joe Burrow is going where he is, like, let's say he's going five rounds higher, um, you know, then we got to like some of his weapons if we're drafting Joe Burrow that high, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. so with this situation specifically, uh, if if you think Rodgers is coming back, and I, I do ultimately think that, even if it's not the 48-touchdown season of last year, then the logic should still be the same as it has been the last four years with Adams, um, unless you think he's going to drop off athletically or something, which I don't know why we would. Which is a great, I mean, it's a great, This, this is, it's always perfect. It works like, like this year it's kind of Roethlisberger, it's we love Juju, we love Deontay, Claypool. There's these are all like top thirty-five wide receivers. Roethlisberger's QB twenty. We're like, um, right? No, I mean that that doesn't it doesn't match. I mean we have to we have to fit something has to give here, folks. Three guys aren't going to produce, and the quarterback's going to be garbage. That, that's not going to happen. So I like that. It gets important with that. And let me tell you, I'll explain if you look at the rankings over at Fantasy Guru. One of the things I did, my uh, handicapping of the Rodgers situation is is this. He's got about a 25, in my opinion, I think he's got about a 25% chance to be back with Green Bay. I'm really not expecting this to happen because uh, he's dug in so far. I think he's got about a 25% chance to go to Denver. I think he's got about a 25% chance to go to another team, which there are very few that can do that even. And I don't really think that maybe even less. And then I think he's got a equal chance to retire and never play football again. I mean, the dude's got a man bun. Now you don't grow a man bun. If you're not like, you know, adios amigos, you know, there's something there. So I worry about it. So with that, I've made a stance that he's outside of the top 12 for me, a quarterback. I'm just out because if I put him, you know, if if I think he's worth the tenth or eleventh quarterback off the board, I'm telling you that some team in your league should make him the starter. No, I'm not saying that. And then some folks are like, "Well, you rank Devonte Adams? I think I got him third or fourth. Well, because I do believe in Jordan Love. I was a Love lover last year. I didn't. I don't fall out of love that easily, as my wife could attest. After 21 years of marriage here, so like I still I believe in Jordan Love. I don't think it's it's obviously not going to be at the level of Aaron Rodgers. No fucking way. But I think there's a there's still value to be had with Adams, even no matter what Rodgers does. And the moment Rodgers says I'm back in Green Bay, joink, <laughs> he's the number one receiver again with a bullet for me. So that's the way that I'm going about it here this year. With that situation, by the way, is anybody objecting to crossing Deshaun Watson's name off completely? Like, is any what are the anybody think there's a ten percent chance he plays this year? Twenty percent? I have one percent chance for him to play. That's really weird. just because you always want to give a chance, but otherwise, I I don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm taking the under as well on that ten percent number. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, with That's all formats of fantasy football, it's like. 
you know, I see these dynasty trades. It's like I'm getting a value on Deshaun Watson, and it's like, I oh. don't know, man. I don't uh, know. Well, <laughs> real quick, Russ, with the dynasty, um, I'm seeing this with Cam Akers currently. People are wheeling the deal in for Cam, and I'm like, oh, boy. I, I you know I, everybody should know. I am I love Cam Akers, loved him coming in last year, famously loved him, and I loved him this year. I'm not buying him in Dynasty. I'm sorry. I, the, the Achilles injuries, man, for a running back, I wish him the best. I hope the best. Hopefully, my timeline, two years, you know, the cut, he'll have to go work out for another team. He has a sort of late 20s surgeons. That's what I'm hoping. But I'm not buying. Somebody said I could get Miles Sanders from now. I go, yeah, go get Miles Sanders. Like, I'm not a Sanders guy. Yeah. Go get Miles Sanders. Let's Let's give ourselves a shot. Russ, what do you think in, in a dynasty? Format? I understand the logic of buying it for injury upside, but with this one, you better be getting a big discount because the list of Achilles injuries of running backs, like, I mean, uh, surgery's gotten much better. Medical, you know, tactics have gotten much better over the last decade or two. But I've I learned this lesson. Beanie Wells, uh, you know, Michael yes. Lashore. It's like. Uh, I, you got to learn lessons the hard way sometimes, fellas. And and if Cam Akers is your hard lesson to learn, then there you go. Tyler, wasn't it, weren't you tweeting something today about that, that did anybody come back to you with the Achilles, the list of Achilles, uh, running backs? I was that you? No, it was not me, but I did see that. Was that Russ? Was it one of you guys? Wasn't one of you guys doing that? I, Somebody had that. I wrote about it today in the article. Chris Towers had oh, a had a good um mm. he listed all oh. the running backs of the last two decades to have these injuries, and it was like it was beyond ugly. Ooh. And it's it makes sense. Achilles for a running back, that's your push. You know, yeah. that's where you're pushing yeah. off. So not it's great. Your step. If zone system, you gotta do that. You you push off. That's the cut, that lateral movement, man. That's that's a dangerous thing as well. Um, all right, we we've covered a lot of ground thus far. I want one more thing that I, I want to get to uh, definitely today. What trends are out there? Like you know, we've all been around the industry for a while now. We've been veterans here at FantasyGuru.com, and you know you're on social media and everything else. What trends are you guys seeing out there that may surprise you, or is there anything good, bad, or indifferent? Armando, is there anything? You're seeing the folks out there, either mistakes they're making or or something good in a positive way, how they're drafting, league setups. I know you do our commissioner's corner over here at FantasyGuru.com. Any trends that you're noticing around the league or industry that uh, are you're taking note of? I'm seeing more zero running back approaches. And I, I for me, that what that does is that just gives you – more opportunities to land, you know, two or three running backs. I've started a couple, you know, drafts. I normally like to kind of uh, balance it out, but just because of the running backs that have fallen, I've started out uh, several of my drafts with three running backs just because I find it hard to pass on some of those running backs in the third round. Uh, And and the receiver pool, there's a big drop-off. We we talked about this earlier this week. There's a big drop-off, I think, you know, after the top 36, you know, 40 receivers. But you can still get some serviceable receivers uh, to, to, you know, complete your lineup. And having the three, you know, three stud uh, st- stable, I think really gives you uh, an advantage uh, going into your league. So if I continue to see that, I, I just like, you know, zigging when others are, I, I, when, you know, when one's going right, I'm going to go left. That's kind of the way I do it. So 
One thing I've seen is a lot of running backs falling in that second, third round that shouldn't be there. Uh, I know Tyler modified zero RB is a big thing with you. I despise zero running back theory. Uh, I am the zero running back killer because when people want to do zero running back, I'm the guy taking the guys that they want to take. I just fuck them over constantly. (laughs) I did that in Scott Fishbowl. My Scott Fishbowl team kind of sucks. But the guy next to me went zero RB, and he went quarterback quarter, and I'm like, nah, fucker. You're not going to get fucking Madison. No, no, no. not a, they, they Don't work in this dojo. Like, I'm not going to give you the good guys. You could pick – if you want to pick a Dolphin or a fucking Jet running back, hey, brother, and it works, or Tampa, and it works, big thumbs up for you. But I'm not giving you that one injury in your fucking golden thing. That don't work in this dojo, but – uh, Tyler, talk about uh, modified zero RB because you talk about the, this a lot. Uh, explain to the folks what we mean by that. Well, the key to this type of approach is having that one lead running back, whether it be a guy you take in the first or second round that you kind of anchor most of your running back points towards. The goal when doing these types of drafts is to beat everybody else at the other positions, having more points from your collective group of wide receivers and tight ends than what the other groups are able to assemble. And you're mitigating that by losing a few points at your RB2 position. But the, the goal is to have heavy hitters start like your draft with Devontae Adams, um, C.D. Lamb, Robert Woods, D.J. Moore. That, that's a heck of a quattro of guys right there. And it's not unfeasible to pull, pull that off. Um, maybe maybe okay. swap D.J. Moore for like T. Higgins. But, you know, you get what I'm saying here. The goal is to have four guys with like top 24 upside and uh, beat your opponents there. You have the one running back that you're leaning on, a guy that's capable of 18 to 25 or so fantasy points. And then you're really just trying to piece together serviceable production. I'm looking for 10-plus fantasy points, whether that be a a pass-catching back or high upside handcuffs from my opponents in the event of an injury where these guys are plug-and-play RB1s and you just get – you get a championship essentially there. But that's that's barring injury and you're rolling the dice. You just need to go into that with that mindset. But you're – also okay with the 10 points a Jamal Williams will give you, the 10 points that Gus Edwards will give you, the 10 points that Latavius Murray will give you. In the event one of their backfield tandem guys goes down, those 10 points now blossom into 15 to 20. Carving out a guy that can will be a producer for you to, to supplement those uh, you know, bounty of wide receivers totally. Uh, Tyler, we'll stick with you here. What, are, what trends are you seeing? around the industry or in draft. I mean, you're doing a lot of drafts. Anything that stands out to you that's at least a little surprising? Yeah, we've talked about this before. Turn the mics on. The early quarterbacks, we're seeing them kind of be propelled in terms of their average draft position. Yeah. For many, many years, the late-round quarterback theory made a ton of sense because there was very minimal scoring difference from the QB6, their QB20. Uh, now we're seeing these rushing quarterbacks, quarterbacks that are able to pick up 15-plus rushing yards per game. It doesn't sound like much, but when you get to that 20-plus rushing yard threshold, or even just 15. That's a good number right there. You're basically getting half a passing touchdown right off the bat in four-point passing touchdown leagues, and you're getting you're, you're minimizing the week-to-week volatility. You're getting guys with higher floors, and in those games where the rushing upside and the passing game clicks, you're getting monstrous scores, 25-plus, 30-plus points, depending on your scoring format, and your opponents can't keep up when those games come to – when those games happen for you. So I, I think investing in some dual-threat running back quarterbacks – is a very viable path this year. And I'm trying to leave my fantasy drafts with a top eight guy that's capable of finishing as the QB one. 
I, and you mentioned those 20 yards, 25 yards a game. I mean, I, I mark it for like 400 yards. Can this quarterback get me 400 yards rushing plus on the season? You know, is that viable? Is there a touchdown upside? Remember, we lose Deshaun Watson out of there as well. So only seven guys did this a year ago. Um you know, including Daniel Jones, by the way, I never did. By the way, I did a, my last episode here on one man's opinion. I did. I said, you know, are we overlooking the Giants? Because look how fucking loaded this team is. This team is stacked to the absolute gills with talent everywhere, especially if Saquon comes back like his former self. There's a team every year that just we all shake our head at. It's week nine. We're like, why didn't we see it? And I'm, I was I. I Sitting here looking at the Giants, and am I missing this? And we'll go to you first, Russ, before we get your trend. But are we all missing out on the uh, what could be a very good offense in New York? I I like Daniel Jones as a late round pick. I think he's shown that upside. He does have that athleticism, even coming into the draft process. He tested out surprisingly athletic despite looking like Daniel Jones. So uh, that's something (laughs) worth noting. Uh, And also, you know, all these weapons, I kind of think about it with the Jared Goff a few years ago, when you have so many of these athletic weapons that can do the work for you, uh, you know, even uh, the Josh Allens, the Mitch Trubisky's like, if you're just dumping it off and you have the Tariq Cohen who can take it 50 yards, um, the more the better. Sure so could. when you have Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, he can throw it up to Barkley, Evan Ingram. It's like these guys are all athletic and can do the Slayton, work. Slayton, Shepard, yeah. John Ross, Rudolph, Ingram, Barkley. Like uh, I mean, I don't know. It's wild to me how stacked the offense is. I mentioned it in the coaching breakdowns over at Fantasy Guru. I've talked about it. Their offensive line has been dog shit. There's no question about it. They've but. I give them credit. They've been through. They had two uh, uh, offensive line coach last year. They fired both of them, Mark Colombo and uh, the guy from uh, uh, New England. He's out of there. They go to Louisiana Lafayette, you know, Division Three, if I'm not mistaken, to get one of the best offensive line coaches down there to be their offensive coach here. And they bring back the guy that they had in 07 and 2011 when they won Super Bowls behind like David Dahl type offense line. He is a, a, a going to be a training camp presence with the Giants. They're really doing all they can to help this offensive line play better and uh, and give Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley enough time and room to run. So that's another thing I'm like, well, Maybe there's something real quick, Armando. I mean, Giants are possible. We're overlooking at them, or no freaking way. Uh, I I like Daniel Jones quite a bit, especially his ADP. Uh, and then if you look at some of the other options, Evan Ingram. I, I think we talked about the tight end position earlier. I, I think he's someone that could be a top five tight end if he stays healthy and just puts a, a complete season together. He displayed that upside his rookie year. Um, someone I, I, I like quite a bit. Uh, and, and you mentioned Slate and Shepard all going beyond that 13th, 14th round. It, this is a team that if you want to stack one offense and then have a second stack, you know, that you can get at a very cheap price, I, I definitely would be – it's something to consider because I, I think you're getting great prices on all these guys. Um, e- even Kenny Galladay. I, I really like Kenny Galladay. I, I know that, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed here, but he's never been a receiver that needs a ton of volume to succeed. Uh, and he's just a monster in the red zone. So I, I really like this offense quite a bit. It's just a matter of are they going to put, put it together or not. And that's the risk you're taking. But at the end of the day, you're not paying a, 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 an expensive price tag for it. 
and ultimately, I think that point our motto makes is everything because you're not paying the premium for it. We're not going to go and say, we're drafting Daniel Jones as my QB1. And if you do, you're going to pay a 50, you know, 13th round, 10th round price for him. You know, that that's fine. You know, now you're not, you're building a great team and he's that additional. Those breakout pieces, be Galladay, Slayton, Shepard, Tony, Ingram Rudolph, whoever that is, pretty good price uh, uh tyler quickly uh giants anything anything there are we missing yeah you right? mentioned the rushing upside there with him i just keep picturing that 80 yard stumble that daniel jones had where yes. he was like a stumbling Whoa. giraffe 10 yards away from the end zone uh, but the big thing that i'm worried about here is jason garrett there's an image going around oh, twitter yes. of uh, him staring out of a train and just smirking and uh, it just, in my mind, he's heading towards a bridge loaded with dynamite. And, like uh, Wally Coyote? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly like that. Yeah. Like this was a team, right. they lost Saquon week two, torn ACL. They were still top 12 in run rate during neutral games. They were. I think that as long as Jason Garrett gets out of the way, which is a huge if, uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones can return Superflex to QB value. But I, I'm a little apprehensive here relative to the field, I think. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Russell, I'll go back to the trends. Any trends that you've noticed around the uh, drafts in the industry? You guys nailed the trends I've noticed. I think quarterbacks are going earlier, and that's valid just based on the, the overall landscape of the quarterbacks that are in the player pool now. we have a It is a much higher-end uh, group of quarterbacks now than it was a few years ago, at least from a running um, and, and even passing standpoints. So I like that. What I would say is there's a lot more noise uh, in the fantasy space than there was even two, three, four years ago. Um, just recognize there's a lot of noise. Trust us over here at Fantasy Guru. We're not going to lead you into a literal zero RB strategy. We're not going to lead you into some of these crazy things I'm seeing out there. Um, so, you know, if you want to win, um, I, again, it's not like, I don't think I'm the best at everything, but I do like, if I don't know something like the offensive lines, for instance, I'll go check out the, you know, the line breakdown or do stuff like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of resources. Um, so vet, vet your analysts and, um, who are your analysts looking towards for the information as well? Who are they referencing? So kind of go at it that way. Um, don't just, uh, Go check Twitter and be like, "Oh, this is this oh, is the way now." Please don't do that. <laughs> Twitter is Twitter is the cesspool of uh, of information everywhere. By the way, I don't care if you're talking politics, religion, anything. If you you want the armpit or the butthole of information, if I can go to Twitter and just like scroll because it's garbage. There's some gems out there, no doubt, but it's it's got really harder to find. Uh, my, uh, these days. By the way, I, my trend is t- so many more two QB leagues, and I think it speaks to what Russell's saying. I'm every league two QB or super flex. I call it, you know, two, it's like boom, 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 boom. Everything super flex or two QB now, which is a good thing. So I think that's definitely a trend that we've seen as well. And uh, allow me to second the fantasy guru stuff. And you know, we've done our homework. We know what we're doing. And the most important thing is that the four voices you've heard today. We're in the chat room. We're out in front. We're not going to hide behind it. Uh, I still have the draft guide from, or at least we did. We took it down finally. But, I mean, we had the draft guide and the rankings from last year up all offseason. We do that on purpose because, we, you know, there's no hiding. There's no adjusting what we thought, what we believe. We stand behind our product. We stand behind our word. And uh, we'll be right on things. We'll be wrong on some things, too. But we'll be there to help you all along the way. 
What a great uh, episode this has been. I don't want to keep the – I have to pay overtime if I keep these guys any longer. They've been gracious to this point. Let me give a big shout-out. Armando Marsal, follow him on Twitter at Armando underscore Marsal, M-A-R-S-A-L, everybody. Always in the chat room over at Fantasy Guru, just one of the best going. Tyler Beaker, uh, follow him at Tyler Beaker. It's T-Y-L-E-R-B-U-E-C-H-E-R. Spell that name correctly, everybody. Also, always in chat, always ready. Always, uh, Tyler, you're always doing uh, a listener and uh, and subscriber best ball, too. You're not afraid to mix it up with the folks out there mm. who want to get involved as well, right? Absolutely. We run one every single month over at Fantasy Guru, and I send a link over in the Fantasy Guru chat room. I'm usually in there every morning. Check us out. Yeah, make sure you do that. And, of course, the great Russell Clay. He's slim. He's trim. He's looking fly at Russell J. Clay on Twitter as well. Big thanks to the three amigos from FantasyGuru.com for joining me. That's going to do it. Episode 75 is in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, we uh, want to pump out more episodes. want to get more guests on the show. Go out, tell a friend, spread the word, everybody. We're not paying for marketing. We're just trying to give you the information you need. If you have suggestions, recommendations, you agree, disagree, want to challenge any of our work, uh, hit us up in the comments section on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you have chosen to listen to this podcast. Once again, I thank you for Vegas part of your day, however you've chosen to do so. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Don't forget early bird pricing ending soon, August 1st over at fantasyguru.com. So get over there, folks, and, uh, and come say hi. Join us in the chat room. That's it for episode 75. I want to thank our guys for joining me. Remember, you may disagree with some or everything you heard today. Perfectly all right. Why? Because it was one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!